0: So we've been in the book of Nehemiah. We just really opened it up two weeks ago and we've started at chapter one in the first verse and we just began to read through the context of what was happening. And so just to catch you up on what's happening in Nehemiah up to this point, right? there has been tragedy that has struck the land that God had chosen to be his people. The land of Israel, the, the people that were in Jerusalem, they were outcast and exiled from their own land. They were in places like Persia and Babylonia and Assyria and all types of places that came and took over God's people because they were unfaithful, because they chose uh, man's way over God's way and it never works, all right? So if you're thinking about that today, if you're thinking about making a person king, if you're thinking about making food king, come on, if you're making Starbucks king, you need to go on the 21 day fast, all right? And make Jesus king, okay? Nothing like a fast to help you see who's king of your life. And so the people of God are beginning to come back to Israel. And Nehemiah at the time is working for a Persian king named Artaxerxes. You might know him better from the movie 300, right? And Artaxerxes, right, is leading and Nehemiah is the cupbearer. And Nehemiah asks one day, he says, hey, how's, how's, the, how's it going with our people coming back home? Because the king of Persia allowed the people of Israel to make their way back to Israel. And Nehemiah gets this bad report. The report says it's not going well, it's actually going terrible. The city's broken, people are broken, the wall that we built is on fire, the gates have all been burned down, and it broke Nehemiah's heart. And Nehemiah felt a burden, a compassion, a brokenness for the people of his land. And what does Nehemiah do, you might ask? I love this right here. He goes to God in prayer. And so last week we talked about what it means to be God dependent, what it means to pray God-centered prayers. Let's just recap verse five just briefly. Nehemiah one, verse five, here's the opening sentence of Nehemiah's prayer. Here's what he says. "O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God. I I thank God that he's awesome, amen? Sometimes in in your prayer, just start with God. If If you're trying to learn how to pray, Let me give you a good starting place, start with God. The disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray, and Jesus said, start with God. God, who reigns in heaven, you're great, you're awesome. And now here's what I learned, that when we pray God-centered, big God-focused prayers, we remind ourselves of God's faithful promises, amen? There's something about focusing on the character and the bigness of God that reminds you that he's not gonna let you down. He's always on time. He's never been faithless. He's always been faithful. He's never broken a promise, right? This is the God we believe in. That's good news for us today, amen? Right, so God-centered prayers lead to God faithful promises, his covenant, steadfast love that are following those who love him and keep his commandments. Let's go ahead and look at verse six today as we read the second stanza of this prayer that Nehemiah prayed. I, I wanna preach a message to you today that I'm titling, Prayers That Get God's Attention. Prayers that get God's attention. Come on, just by show of hands, you don't have to raise your hand by any means, but by show of hands, uh, raise your hand if you wanna have prayers that get God's attention. Come on, okay, okay, I, I, I'm around some, some friends here that are like-minded. I don't wanna just pray prayers that stop at the ceiling. right? I don't want to pray prayers that don't make it actually into God's inbox. I think Jesus has a junk mail. He has a spam box. And I don't know who's, maybe it's the Holy Spirit that's intercepting those. Like, God the Father is the one to read them. Jesus is the one who gave the access, right? And the Holy Spirit sends that to junk. (laughs) Sends that to the top of the list. Sends that to the, you know, does anybody... My email, for whatever reason, it has focused email and then other. You don't wanna pray those other, those other prayers. Y'all know what I'm talking about? How, how do we get into God's focused box? Prayers that get God's attention. Favor City, I, I want y'all to pray prayers that get God's attention. Walk Church, those who are online, Tim Deep, praying prayers that get God's attention. I, I feel like Nehemiah has a formula In verse 6, on how to get God's attention with your prayers. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say let's eat. All right, Father, as we eat from your word right now, God, help us to get it. Open our eyes, open our ears. God, would you pay attention to this moment and open our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's Nehemiah's prayer. He says, let your ear... Be attentive and your eyes open. To hear the prayer of your servant, that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel which have sinned against you, even I and my father's house have sinned. This one verse I wasn't too familiar with before studying for this sermon. I've realized that this verse has so much power in it. This verse contains a lot of rich content. Can I just encourage you to lean in? I mean, to to really try to grasp something for the next few minutes in this sermon that may change your life. In verse six, as you you see at the the beginning, I'll go and highlight a couple words here. It says, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open. I love that right there because Nehemiah, after he praises God-centered prayer, after he says, okay, God, you're big. God, you're awesome. God, you're great. You're a God who makes promises. You're a God who keeps his promises. Now, here's what he says. Now, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open. Can I give you the first point? It's very profound. I'm gonna put it up on the screen. If you want to get God's attention, ask him for it. I heard a couple mm's. I thought it was gonna be like, whoa, that was good. Here's what I learned from Pastor Nehemiah, this this man of God, this leader, who wrote a book in the Bible that is changing the game. Here's what he says. If you wanna get God's attention, you gotta ask him for it. I put an exclamation point because I wanted there to be some emphaticness to this point. Look at the verse with me really quick. Here's what Nehemiah says after he declares the promise, after he declares the greatness, he simply says, God, let your ear be attentive. In other words, God, I want your attention. God, attend to this prayer, be on time here. He said, let your ear be attentive and let your eyes be open. I wonder if heaven is shaken at that prayer and says, okay, this guy's got faith. I wanna to listen to this prayer. He's calling for our attention. He's asking for my eyes to be open. He's asking for my ears to hear. I wanna encourage you, church. When you pray, ask God, God, give me your attention, undivided. I know that there's a lot of other stuff happening in the world, but God, I need your attention here. I, I want your eyes to be open here. I want your ears to be open here. God, I got a prayer to pray. If you want to get God's attention, ask him for his attention, and I believe he will lean in and listen. A simple but profound point that language matters. The words that we use when we go to God should not be so flippant and feeble. Amen? Like, let's use language that maybe you would use with somebody if you wanted to get their attention. God, be attentive and God may your eyes be open. I want you to hear me pray. God responds. It gets his attention, church. If not, I don't think that this prayer would be recorded for us in the Bible. It's a big deal. Let me go ahead and keep reading. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. This this was profound for me, church, because... I want to just remind you that Nehemiah was in a place in a position of great stature. Many believe that Nehemiah at this point in his life was the second right-hand man to the king. That this was an appointed position that you wouldn't just arrive to, that Nehemiah had more access to king Artaxerxes than anybody else in the land. As the cupbearer, that meant he stepped close because the kings would oftentimes be walking around with drinks. So he had to be nearby. He was the assistant to the king. How is it that God would choose an Israelite man of God, this Jewish Hebrew business leader, and put him in direct partnership with King Artaxerxes? Won't God do it? There's power in your placement. Where God has placed you, there's power. But it's the mentality that you take into your position that matters. Here's my point. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. How do you see yourself today? If you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. If you don't write it down, it's okay because I'm giving you some of the content from the daily devotional of our 21 Days of Prayer, which I wrote, and it's part of my sermon. So I wanna encourage you to check out day number one on what it looks like to pray prayers with humble hearts. I was inspired by that through Nehemiah. Here's why, how do you see yourself? Nehemiah sees himself as a servant. Nehemiah could say, to hear the prayer of me because I'm so great, I'm so awesome, I got a lot of money, I got a great position, I got a lot of followers, I'm at the right hand of the king. But Nehemiah says, that's not how I see myself, I I, I see myself as a servant. The second way to get God's attention, if you wanna get God's attention, humble yourself. If you wanna get God's attention, not a popular point, not even a, mm, definitely not an amen. The word amen, you know the word amen just means I agree don't allow it to be super churchy the word amen is just like yeah amen i agree with that if you let me try it again if you want to get god's attention humble yourself amen. that's what's up i like it there's something about that biblically come on we don't preach ourselves we don't preach our own ideas we preach the word If you study the word from Genesis to Revelation, you'll realize humble people get God's attention. I don't say that from the position of somebody who is a humble expert. I say that from somebody who's a prideful expert. Anybody else struggle with pride in the room or is it just me? All right, good man, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just glad glad that I'm around some people that are fellow strugglers, all right? We're all on this journey to be conformed into the image of the humble one, Jesus. And so he's working on us. He's removing things. He's taking things that are hardened and he's softening them. He's taking things that are prideful and he's he's making them humble. Humble people get God's attention. If you leave here and somebody says, hey, what'd you get out of church? Hopefully you can say this. Look, I learned how to pray prayers that get God's attention. And I wonder if the person would say, how do you do it? You say you gotta humble yourself. Let me give you a verse out of Psalm verse chapter one thirty-eight, verse six. David, King David, who was an expert on pride, had all types of struggle. Psalm one thirty-eight, verse six says, "Though the Lord is exalted, he takes note of the humble, but he knows the haughty from a distance." In other words. If you step into the prayer arena very proud and haughty, your prayer request is going into the junk mail. God's like, maybe I'll get to that one in a few years. It's just too haughty. The word haughty, by definition, is to just think really highly of yourself. Pridefulness Pridefulness says, God, I don't need you. I'm good enough. I'm big enough. I'm strong enough. God, pridefulness says, not only, God, do I not need you, I don't need your church. I don't need counsel. I don't need help. I got everything I need in me. That's pride. Now, haughtiness is, is the compliment. Haughtiness is the, the spouse to pride. Haughtiness says, yeah, you're right. You are great. And then you say, yeah, I am great. I think of Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Gaston. Everybody's like repelled by Gaston, but he doesn't know it. He's just doing his push-ups like, "Yeah, I'm great." Am I great? Am I great? You got to surround yourself with the echo chamber. And God's like, "You're not great. I'm great." But if you get close enough to me, how hey, come on? Don't you want to be around greatness? Be around God. I've learned that it's it's praying with a humble heart that gets God's attention. Isaiah 66 verse 2. Isaiah in a different generation from Dave, <clears throat> David, here's what Isaiah says. For my hand made all these things. God's saying, look, it, it was my hand. It wasn't your hand. God's saying, I'm big. My hand made all these things. So all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But I will look to this one. Who's the one? At one who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. Now, I'm challenged by this, Uncle Manu. Right? Because I don't oftentimes tremble at the Word of God. I like usually walk past the Word of God if I'm not focused. I need to have a, a, such a relationship with the Word of God that when I open this book, when I scroll to this app, I'm like, God's getting my attention. I'm getting God's attention. Humble people say, I don't need to read the Bible. No, no, prideful people say, I don't need to read the Bible. I'm just saying, See who's listening. Some of y'all were like, hold up, wait, I was tracking with you, but that didn't make sense. Humble people say, I need to read the Bible. Prideful people say, I don't really need to read the Bible. I've, man, I've seen a lot of prideful people over the years. Here's how some of them do. Some people be like, yo, I already read the Bible. I'll be like, you did? They're like, yeah, I like read that like back in college. I'm like, what, what, what'd you get from it? I don't know. Like, can you like, and Then, and then I get prideful. Can you even name a scripture? John 3.16, of course. Like, what does that even say? And like, and I was like, yo, just humble yourself. It's okay. I'm a fellow struggler, too. Right? Like, we, this is who, I know this, this is who God looks at. The person that God says I'm going to look to is the person who has a humble and contrite Spirit. How do do you see yourself? Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23. It's the proverb of today. I read this proverb today and I said, that's going in the sermon. Come on, can you read it with me? Here, here, touch the person's shoulder next to you. Don't don't feel like you gotta be, you don't have to. Now, read it like you're reading it over them. A man's pride and self-importance will bring him down but he who has a humble spirit will obtain honor. We're coaching each other here today. I love it if you're a married couple right there. (laughs) That was probably hard. The marriage relationship is the greatest relationship to expose pridefulness and humility at the same time. A a man's pride and sense of self-importance will bring him down. Here's what Nehemiah is saying. I'm a servant, God. God, I get your attention by being humble, not by being prideful. A man's pride and self sense of, how do you see yourself? I wanna honestly ask, do you see yourself as somebody who's really important? Now, I'm not saying that you're not important because you absolutely are. You're created in the image of God. You're created like God. You're a big deal to God. God says the number of hairs on your head are counted. That's true for even Pastor Mike. All right. Come on, bro. Yeah. He's counting them. Yeah, you gotta clap for that, right? God knows the number of hairs that would have been on your head. Or that are on your, like used to be, yeah. Right? He he knows though. He give and take away, all right? Uh, I'm learning, I'm struggling too, right? A a man's pride and sense, uh, like, so, so there's an importance that you carry because you're created in the image of God. Why should we honor and value every individual and ascribe dignity to every individual, every culture, every color? Here's why, and every age, amen? We honor from the womb to the tomb, right? We honor babies, we honor older people, we honor because they're created in the image of God and because God loves them and died for them. So everybody has a sense of importance, but how you see yourself is important. Do you walk around like everybody should serve you? Or do you walk around like you're there to serve everyone else? It's that posture that's key. I I hear my brother, Pastor Dean, and Doralisa, Dean, you oftentimes would say, I probably heard you quote this verse more than any verse I've heard you quote, you quote a lot of verses, but the one that I hear you quote more than any other verse is Mark chapter 10 where Jesus says, the son of man did not come to be served. Right, Jesus is walking through the city and everybody's trying to serve him because they wanna get close to him. And Jesus goes, I ain't come to be served. I came here to serve. Now you would ask Jesus, to what degree do you serve? Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. This heart of the servant, amen. Amen. Nehemiah sees himself through the lens of a servant. If you see yourself through this lens, I'm here to serve. I'm not here to be served. You'll get God's attention. Popular opinion? Nah. Easy to do? Heck nah. Worth it? Every time. We we should, let me go ahead and say this, church, and if you feel hypocritical, Good, because we're all hypocritical in our own ways and we're growing closer to Jesus. I think the the even more hypocritical person doesn't even come to church, right? The person that comes to church and says, you know what, I gotta work on stuff. That's a good place to be. You get God's attention. You're part of his body. Let me go ahead and give you this reality statement. Feel free to write it down. Christians should be known more for their humility than anything else. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and color it in a little bit. Can I get my coloring, my, my color pencils out real quick and color this in? Christians should be be known more for their humility than anything else. Sometimes I I I look around, I listen, and I think that we think Christians should be known more for their political party than anything else. You'll, you'll, you won't find that scripture anywhere. I know I just stepped on your toe. I love you. But that I, I, I was intentional. Christians should be known more for their humility. I think sometimes we, we would replace that word humility with for our church preference, our denomination, our convictions, our stance for the truth you know that you could be prideful about being humble? I'm way more humble than you. What? Don't try to say I'm not humble. I am humble. You're not humble. It's just a festering of the devil, right? He's just shooting his shots. No, no, Christians should be known more for their humility. If you have a strong stance for the truth of the Bible and the truth of the gospel, have that stance Wrapped in humility, right? Should we want to see people get saved? Yes, because our hearts are humble because we've been saved. We've been set free. We want to see people in heaven. We want to help people see the truth. Not because we want to beat somebody over the head with something. Come on, we need to get more passionate about names than numbers. You know, I, like... if. If you, if you say, man, I, I shared the gospel with 50 people this week, and you can't name them, here's what we're doing. We're, we're doing transactional evangelism than relational evangelism. Right, we just want to have a transaction real quick. Come to know Jesus. Check that box. And God never called us to do that. God called us to make disciples. If you look in the Hebraic culture on how they did disciple-making, it was in circles, not rows. Disciple-making was done oftentimes with food. Can I get an Amen. Disciple-making was done amongst each other. And churches were planted. I love how 1 Peter 2, verse 16 says it. Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he learned this lesson. Peter was a prideful man who learned about humility. Peter says, live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So this paradox is presented, right? Peter says, look, we're free people. We just choose to serve. Peter says, I'm not going to use my freedom as an opportunity to boast in my own freedom. I'm not going to use the freedom that I have in Jesus as a license to go sin. Hey, I'm forgiven. Jesus died. The blood is shed. Let me just go ahead and exhaust it, (laughs) right, with a bunch of sin. Peter says, that's not why Jesus set you free. Jesus actually sets you free so that you can see the beauty of serving. Nehemiah says, I see myself as a servant. Matthew 23, verse 11 for the note takers in the room. Come on, say this with me off the screen. Ready, set, go. The greatest among you, come on, say it with me. The greatest, among. one more time. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus is literally reversing the cultural order because in the culture 2,000 years ago is a lot like the culture today. We say the greatest among you is the person that's being served. The person that's being pampered. The person that's being treated. Jesus says that actually the greatest person in the room is the one that's doing the serving. He flipped the script. The greatest among you is the one who serves I sometimes share this story. Maybe you've heard me share it before, but it, it really impacted me. I'll, I'll try to make it quick, and then we're going we're gonna to wrap this sermon up, and hopefully there's something you got out of it that's been helpful. Um, but I, I remember when I was in college, and I was discipling a young man, and one day during the discipleship session, the Holy Spirit spoke to us and told us to go get a shake. Can I get an amen? <laughs> you are like, hold up, What? In fact, it might not have been the Holy Spirit at all. It was just a craving for a milkshake. All right, so we were there and there was a, a, a steak and shake up the street. They didn't, right? And so we just said, all right, let's just go ahead and go grab a quick shake. We go into this steak and shake restaurant while we were walking up. There was this lady who was on her hands and knees and she had a little gum shovel. Y'all know what I'm talking about? One of those little... Scrapers, she's picking up all this gum off of the sidewalk leading into that. You know how like bad that makes you feel when you like have to walk past that person. You, like, hey, you know. <laughs> and so me and the brother I was discipling, we're learning about humility, and we ask her. We say, "It was a hot summer day. Excuse me. Can we help you?" And she looks up at us, and she goes. No, no, this, this is my job, I'm, 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 I got this, but thank you so much for asking. The consideration means so much. That's powerful, consideration is powerful, amen? Having eyes to see is a good starting place to serve, right? And so we're like, okay. So we walk into the steak and shake and we go up to the register, we're there at the register, we're telling the lady our order, I want this shake, I want this shake, and all of a sudden, we hear the door open, and here's that lady. She comes in, and she yells to the person at the register, "Hey, hey, comp their shakes!" The person at the register says, "You got it, manager." Wow. And we were like, "I'm like, is that your boss?" Like, he's, he's like, "Yeah, that's, she's a big deal. <laughs> like, you guys got the shakes." <laughs> <laughs> your trip goes back out there. What I realized is the power of servant leadership. She wasn't gonna ask people to do something she wasn't gonna do herself, amen? Right, she's saying, you know what? Hey, look, I'm gonna get dirty, I'm gonna get on my hands and knees, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna grind, I'm gonna go for it. It's gonna take a lot of servant leadership to plant a church. It's gonna be a lot of times where nobody gives you a credit, mention, name, highlight on social media, although you guys do a great job at that. And it's worthy, but it's going to take a lot of servant leadership to reach this city. You ever heard somebody say, people don't want to know how much you know until they know how much you care? Maybe until they know how much you serve. So I want to even encourage you, if you're not serving here at Walk, maybe join the dream team. We were having dinner with our friends, Jill and Marty, last night, and they were just talking about how amazed they were at the setup here in the school, like Dang, that's a lot of work for a weekend. <laughs> and we just couldn't stop bragging on our team because we have a team full of servant leaders that are coming in on Friday night, Sunday morning, staying after, saying, hey, we believe in this thing. That's why we give to it. We, we serve because that's our calling. Jesus flipped the script. Jesus didn't come to be served. Jesus modeled servant leadership, Amen. So it's not weird for Nehemiah to pray this prayer and say, Lord, God, you're great, you're awesome. I remember your promises. Be attentive to my prayer. Open your ears to my prayer. Open your eyes to my prayer. Bend down to listen. Here's why. I'm a servant coming to you, God. That prayer gets God's attention. If we come come to God with that spirit, God God says, I like that. At least that's what I've found in the Bible. Let me go ahead and finish the verse. Nehemiah 1.6, let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Everybody say day and night. night. Come on, one more time, day and night. night. I was moved by the consistency of Nehemiah's prayer. Give you the third point. Third point of the sermon is this. If you want to get God's attention, increase your consistency. Church family, increase your consistency. I'll say this. You'll never, ever regret praying too much. I really, amen, Marcel and Suzanne, yeah. Two people clap, we all clap. I I don't think you'll regret it. I don't think you'll get to heaven and be like, uh, you know, I, I think I prayed too much. <laughs> Unless you're praying the wrong prayers to the wrong God, there's some, some truth about that. And when I say the wrong God, it's lowercase g. There's only one God who exists in three, Father, Son, and Spirit. And God loves when we pray. I want to encourage you to increase your consistency. Maybe you would say, why are we doing 21 days of prayer and fasting and fitness right now? You know what? I just want to increase our consistency. I wanna know, as a church family, we're praying every day. We're praying the same prayers every day. We're praying unique prayers. We're praying different prayers. We're praying prayers for Tim Deep. We're praying prayers for our brother, Will Belt, who's also in the hospital and he's got a surgery coming up on Monday. Let's pray for our brother, Will, right? We're, We're praying prayers for our sister, Emma Berkey, who's healing miraculously. We're praying prayers for our city. Come on, we're praying prayers for Afghanistan, right? We're praying prayers for New Orleans and the Hurricane Ida that's coming that direction. Come on, we have much to pray about, right? If you ever run out of things to pray for, pray for Favor City Church, pray for Walk Church, pray for Image Church, then go ahead and get your, get your phone book out. Just go through the last eight people you called. I wanna pray for my mom, I wanna pray for my dad, I wanna pray for my sister, I wanna pray for my family. I have a brother who's in, who's in New Orleans. He reached out yesterday and just said, hey, can you ask your church to pray for us because this hurricane's coming quick? We have much to pray for. I'm glad to be a part of a praying church. Did you know that this is not just a church that prays, this is a praying church. I would even encourage that on this Send Out Sunday, Gibbons. Don't just be a church that prays. We pray sometimes. Be a praying church. It's part of your culture. It's part of who you are. Favor follows prayer. And I'm grateful that I've seen you guys lead in prayer and that you guys just came off of a prayer and fasting time. We, we have much to pray about, increasing our consistency. So church family, I once heard a great revivalist say that we should have morning meditation. We should have evening evaluation. So in the morning, let's go to God in prayer. Pray the prayer point every day at 7 a.m., all right? I know some of y'all are up at five, all right? Give us a little break. Well, you know what I'm saying? Good for you, all right? We're not there yet. At 7 a.m., all right? We're splitting the difference because some of y'all are up at 9. Y'all know. It's all right. Right? At 7 a.m. on our social media, there's going to be an email. You can go to walkchurch.com 21 days on our Walk Church app. We're trying to make it so Easy for you to get the prayer point. So you might get four notifications. It's okay, we're increasing our consistency, (laughs) all right? To make sure that you stop what you're doing and pray that prayer prayer point. Today, there's there's gonna be a devotional that follows every day. I wrote the devotional for today and tomorrow. Today's devotional is praying with humble hearts. Some content in there that I think can help you. There's some action steps to go along with the prayer point. And then in the evening time, have an evening evaluation. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he wrote a devotional called Morning and Evening. Nehemiah did it first. Day and night, calling out to the Lord in prayer. I just wanna encourage you to increase your consistency. The last point, and I'm going like this, because I want us to live the last point. The last point is found in verse six. We'll go ahead and put it back up on the screen as Nehemiah leads his people into confession. Nehemiah says, it's got to start with me. He says, let your ear be attentive, your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants. Confessing the sins of the people of Israel. He says, God, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. nehemiah wasn't so far above everybody that he forgot that he he himself was a sinner nehemiah's confessing his sin to the lord the fourth and final point of this message is this right get god's attention by practicing the power of confession amen yeah you got you got to practice the power of confession I don't want this to feel like a Catholic mass. I'm not gonna move us into a time of confession right now where we go check off a box and say, okay, let me go confess my sins to somebody. I'm talking about you and God. Now there's a place where we confess our sins to one another and we do that not for forgiveness, only God can provide forgiveness. We do confess our sins to each other and be prayed for so we can be healed, James 5, 16. But right now I wanna talk about confession between you and God. Nehemiah is only talking to God right now. He's saying, God, my people have sinned against you, I've sinned against you, and I need to confess that. First John chapter one, verse nine says this, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe there's somebody in here today that needs to be forgiven and somebody needs to be cleansed. Maybe today you just feel like your soul needs to be cleansed. Your heart needs to be cleansed. Maybe you were watching something you shouldn't have watched. Maybe you were listening to something you shouldn't have listened. Maybe you were doing something you shouldn't have done, and it feels like it's on you. You just feel like you need to be cleansed. Today, you can confess and believe. If you haven't believed in Jesus today, confess. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, says it like this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Doesn't say you might be, it says you will be. For with the heart one believes is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So brothers and sisters, those who are online, I'm asking you right now to just think about what we're talking about, humbling yourself, confessing your sins, or the S, sins to the Lord because he's faithful to save you, he's faithful to forgive you, he's faithful to cleanse you, amen? Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that apart from you, we can do nothing. But God, with you, there's nothing we can't do. God, help us to increase our consistency. God, help us to be humble in our approach. God, help us to practice confession daily. Go to you, God. God, I need you more. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my pridefulness. And you can just start a list, and and Jesus will say, I'll forgive you. I'll, I'll cleanse you. I'll forgive you. So, right now, if you're here with all heads bowed, with all eyes closed, right this moment, if you just need to be saved, I want to give you a moment to confess. And maybe if you've already been saved, it's not that you need to be saved again, but I do want to remind you of the salvation you carry. If right now you need to to make Jesus the Savior of your life, and you need to claim and receive Jesus as the Lord of your life, I want you to pray this prayer, and I'm just going to ask everybody to pray it with me. If you feel led, don't feel like you have to. But even if you're already saved, let's pray it together. Right now, just say, Father, I believe. I need you. Jesus, I believe. Thank you for dying for my sins, for rising from the grave, for ascending into heaven, for cleansing me. Save me. I turn away from my past. I turn toward my future. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me. Make me new. I give you the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Yeah. Yes.